how do you measure it? You measure it at the cash register. Since I've started doing this, I've seen an uptick in business. What we're talking about specifically on this podcast what is what seems to really be creating a new audience for my product or service. Welcome to our weekly show, Brands at Podcasts, where we focus on one thing only, showing you behind the scenes of how some of the best brands in the world are using podcasting to grow. All right, Brian, welcome. So before we dive in, a little background here is, and you can provide more context here, obviously, if you'd like, but you run the Dave Ramsey Podcast Network, which includes some of the biggest podcasts in the world, obviously, the Dave Ramsey Show, but also shows like the Rachel Cruz Show, the Ken Coleman Show, the Chris Hogan Show, and the Anthony O'Neill Show. And collectively, this is one of the biggest podcast networks in the world. And you guys have been at this for a very long time. So, you know, before we kind of dive into how you all think about podcasting, how you think about podcast marketing and monetization in general, you know, I'm, I'm really looking forward to, to having a convo here and specifically about how brands can apply the lessons that you've learned. So maybe first, if you could start by just sharing a little bit of your background with Dave Ramsey's network and, you know, in general, what the business looks like on, on that side of things, you know, with the network, but collectively, like as a whole too, if you could just paint the picture a little bit for folks who may not be aware. Sure, sure. I'd be happy to. And first of all, thanks for having me on the show. You know, it, it's funny because you mentioned how have we done it? What have, you know, we have made a lot of mistakes along the way. We've learned, we've learned a lot of lessons the hard way, but I think we've come out well on the other side. It really, it all started, Ramsey Solutions as a company, we started back in 92. Dave was into financial counseling. He was just launching a radio show. It was actually called The Money Game. I was on a little local radio station. A few years later, we began to syndicate the radio show, changed the name of it to The Dave Ramsey Show in 99. So like seven years later, you know, as an interesting side note, we actually launched our first podcast, our version of a podcast in 95. You know, podcasts weren't even known till Apple, you know, coined the phrase in around 2004, I think. Uh, but we were, you know, we were producing MP3s and downloading, you know, having fans download those. And so we, we've been learning for, for quite a long time. You know, you fast forward to today, the company's really grown We've got 935 team members. We've got 11 different P&Ls in the company. So things have grown out of the things that we've created through media. So we're really blessed there. But just learned a lot of lessons the hard way. Started as a radio show and uh, just really dove into the industry as the industry provided opportunity. That's incredible, especially, especially starting a podcast before podcasting really even existed. That, that's, that's amazing. So could you provide a little context on like your role currently yeah. th with the network and what your day-to-day -day looks like? Sure, absolutely. You know, I, I actually, I serve on the operating board here at Ramsey Solutions, but we are a true operating board in that we also run the company on the day-to-day. So my responsibility is the executive vice president of Ramsey Media. My team specifically 
they're responsible for the distribution and the syndication. That's that's radio, that's digital, that's satellite, that's any way that we distribute the show. My team is responsible for that. We also manage all of the national sales. We do all of that internally. We handle all the marketing around the Ramsey Network, and um, we even do digital product development as far we have a Ramsey Network app. Uh, that we have a maker team that maintains that as well. But all of that falls under the umbrella of Ramsey Media. That's awesome. So what would you say, you know, are some of the the goals that the business has right now? Like we can dive in here specifically to the podcast execution, but I'm curious, you know, with 11 P&Ls, a lot going on at the company, almost a thousand employees. Like what, what are the the big rocks that you're driving towards. And then obviously we can fill in like some of the, how the content is helping fuel get you all there. Yeah. Well, I mean, you went straight to content there at the end and that's, I mean, that's what we do best. I mean, we're teachers at the core. We just want to, you know, we want to help as many people as we can. And, you know, to have these different mediums uh, has given us that megaphone to be able to do that, to reach out to these people and intersect with them, whatever walk of life they're in. You know, one of the things that we know about media is that people consume media differently. Uh, It's one of the things that really excites us about the podcast world. We've, We've never seen anything grow the way podcasting has grown. You know, radio, We've been at that for 28 years now. Dave just celebrated 28 years, and we have a weekly audience of about nine and a half million, but it's taken us almost 30, uh, that's that's weekly uh, audience, but it, it's taken us almost 28 years to get there. And, you know, since podcasting has really taken off over the past few years, we've seen it grow to almost five and a half million a week. Wow. So, you know, just just the opportunity on this side is is crazy. But why do we do it? We do it for the listener. I mean, we want to connect with a listener. And if we can grow the audience the right way, you know, Dave has this saying it's he didn't coin it. Many people have said it, but we use it around here. You do enough of the right things. You know, the money will take care of itself. Mm. So we've been blessed on both sides. Mm. So, you know, in terms of like the order of operations, was it the Dave Ramsey show first, obviously, and then what led to the creation of the network? Like, where did that spark yeah. or that idea come from that made you and the team believe like that would be a good opportunity and avenue to explore to spin off additional yeah. shows? Well, there are two motivators there, growth and survivability. Mm. I mean, yeah, the, the whole the whole thing started with the Dave Ramsey show, but that means you wrap the whole thing around an individual. And, you know, Dave is an 800-pound gorilla. I mean, he's, he's at the top of his game on every platform and doing a great job, but there are just no guarantees in life. And, you know, we, we have this responsibility to reach out to these listeners and connect with them and help them as much as we can. And Dave saw that as well. You know, he saw that responsibility to, to help these people. So we started talking about survivability of the company, what must be true. That's a term that we use around here a lot. And, you know, his daughter evolved. That's Rachel Cruz. That's his daughter. She came up and started doing a phenomenal job. Chris Hogan jumps into the retirement space. And all of a sudden, we figure out maybe we're good at more things than just one. Mm. And so, you know, these guys, we, you know, we were blessed to have 
someone that, you know, that we could use the platform. That's Dave. That's the Dave Ramsey show. But, you know, to use another metaphor, rising tide raises all ships. We've been able to capitalize on that and and take Dave's success, introduce the other personalities and even different topics. Mm. And, you know, people just respond. And when they respond, we just want to try more. It's a it's a game of test and measure. But to answer your question, why growth Mm. and survivability? You know, in terms of like thinking about brands who are using a podcast, maybe they have one successful show very similar to what was happening with the Dave Ramsey show before the network was created. And they're thinking about exploring, okay, there's actually opportunities for us to create our own spinoff shows. Maybe we have different customer personas and we can create a a show around each one of those specifically. That could, that's one example amongst many of why they may want to create their own network. Mm -hmm. Are there any lessons or surprising benefits or challenges or anything at all that you would advise them with or caution them against in making that decision for the network? Yeah, there's, there's a couple of things. Number one, don't try to be good at something you're not good at. Mm. You know, we, we stay true to our sweet spot and that's the money space or leadership or career. Those, all those things have a common denominator in the center of it. And we just expand from the center and that has been kind of the secret to our success. You'll never see us go out and grab a topic just because someone's interested in it. It's something that we need to be able to speak to. It's a it's a medium of trust, you know, when especially with podcasts. Podcast is on demand, which means that the listener wants to listen to it and the listener chooses to listen to it. So you've got to be relevant. You've got to be an authority in the space. In certain instances, entertaining. You know, it just depends. It depends on your topic. It depends on what you're doing. But find what you're good at and people will respond to it. You become an authority in the space and you'll start to grow an audience. I love that. Were there any sort of, you know, maybe what was the first one Rachel Cruz after Dave's show being the, the solo show? The first one that started gaining traction was Rachel. Um, okay. But Rachel really started gaining traction more from exposure. She was doing a lot of mm. appearances. You know, she would wind up on Good Morning America or Fox News Channel, or Rachel was the first one to kind of materialize. Mm. But from a show perspective, Chris Hogan, if you've ever heard Chris yep. Hogan speak, whether or not authoritative or not, he's just fun to listen to. Yep. Uh, with that, you know, with that big, deep voice. So Chris started gaining traction first, but Rachel quickly caught up. That makes sense. And and on that note, you know, on the traction note, what are some of the marketing levers you used to grow Dave's show, number one, but also then the, the spinoff shows? Because each one, you know, has a slightly different concept, obviously, like their own individual lane individual listenership. There's probably a lot of cross-pollination between the listenership, but yeah. maybe not. It's not a one-to-one sort of scenario. You're some people are are hearing about Chris Hogan's show for the first time and they don't they don't know of or listen to any of the other shows, for example. So how do you all think about that? Yeah, that's that's very true. We do a lot of listener survey. You would be surprised at how much there's not cross-pollination. Mm. A lot of these personalities have developed their own 
audiences. They've done it lots of different ways. What uh, I mean, social, you know, social media, they'll hit social media, they'll create an awareness, they'll start to build a tribe. It becomes organic and growth and it develops into what else do you do? So, you know, from a marketing perspective, you just have to be able to create the awareness. From a survey perspective, that's been one of the best learnings that we have had and one of the best tools that we now use because in the beginning we made assumptions we just assumed that the listener was the listener and the platform really didn't matter Mm. and we could not have been more wrong i mean i'll give you an example and we ask we've got a really strong survey team in-house that has gotten really good at, at drilling down One of the things we found out, even with the Dave Ramsey show, is that 85% of the people that listen to radio do not listen to podcasts. When we asked the same question of podcast listeners, 87% of people who listen to podcasts say, I don't listen to the radio. (laughs) So we had to get into that space and create an awareness that the show was there. A lot of it was organic. You know, I've always said as a strategy, that I want to be where they are. If a listener comes onto a medium and says, I wonder if, I wonder if Dave Ramsey or I wonder if Rachel Cruz, I want the answer to be yes. So Mm -hmm. you're basically found through discovery in search, but you need to be there. You need, you know, as we grow an audience, you start to trend on certain platforms. So the platform itself will recommend you. There are strategic relationships that you can go deeper as you become more successful and you can start to work with the platforms and kind of negotiate of what type of promotion will you give me, you know, things like that. But it's a stepping stone and we've learned along the way. That makes a lot of sense. Are there any lessons you can give on working with the platforms? Like, obviously, it's that's going to be heavily relationship dependent and to your point, there's there likely needs to be a stepping stone sort of sequence there, cadence there in order to be in a spot where you could get the yes from the platform. Yeah, because everybody wants those spots, obviously. But are there any like broad strokes, you know, piece of advice you could give with that? And maybe like, do you think that that's somewhere where folks should even put an emphasis or a focus on uh, amongst all the other marketing channels they have at their disposal? Yeah, I will tell you the success with the platforms, especially a lot of the ones that you're beginning to see really take the lead right now. You can knock on that door all day long, but what they're really looking for is some form of success. Mm. You can tell them or you can show them and you're going to be much more successful when you show them. So everything that you can do organically to grow an audience, be it social media, uh, a normal rhythm, just communicating with the listenership or even cross promoting with other similar platforms. That's that tribal marketing is very successful in the podcasting world where where you can find a host with a similar demographic and you guest on their show, they guest on yours, you share audiences, you create an awareness and begin to create some form of groundswell. You know, when you can kind of create your own success, then when you start to knock on the door, they pay attention. In some instances, they'll actually reach out to you. Mm. But I, I will tell you that the two best pieces of advice I can give in that world is be persistent 
and don't get frustrated. Mm-hmm. I have never seen an industry change. I mean, I've been in media for 35 years. I've never seen an industry change as rapidly as this industry does. I mean, the players change. They are, the companies are so big. They are moving so fast that just, you know, about the time you get someone's attention, they either get promoted or recruited. <laughs> so you've just you've just got to stay the course and keep moving. But But when you get in and when you start to trend and when you start to get noticed, you start to bring other things along. You know, I, I'm going to kind of circle back on a question you asked a minute ago about the Ramsey Network and how it started. You know, it all started with the Dave Ramsey Show. We kept the name Ramsey and built the network around it. Mm. But people would come after the Dave Ramsey Show because of its success. And we would leverage that against the entire network. Yep. So in the early days, it's like, yeah, we can talk about the show, but you're going to have to look at the entire network. And, you know, the good news is, is that I would get statements like, well, if Ramsey's producing it, you know, I'm sure we're going to like it. We'll give it a listen. So, you know, I had a little bit of an upper hand on that. So, you know, that was a blessing in itself. But you've just got to keep going. Persistence is key. The quality, you got to be able to deliver on what you're telling them you've got. Yeah. And what are they looking for? You know, what are they looking for in those shows or hosts that they want to put, you know, their own marketing effort behind on on the platform? Are they looking for, is it different styles of content mixed with like up and comers that they see a strong groundswell forming around like things like that? Or what, what, what's been your opinion on that? Yeah. I mean, you know, that's a, that's a $10 million question right there. It's, if I were to answer it truthfully, I would say it's audience. Mm. They just want audience. They're not they're not being very discerning. And when you look topically, you'll see multiple, you know, across the same topic and they just trend them based on audience or really one of the things in podcasting that, that we're really beginning to notice right now is velocity. You know, just if you can hit a topic and all of a sudden everybody's sharing it or did you hear this or you need to hear the latest and if you launch a if you launch a a podcast and over the first week you know the velocity is incredible they'll elevate that mm. they'll go hey this thing's trending you need to you know everybody needs to check this out and then you know it just becomes groundswell that was a term that you used you know one of the things that we do with the Dave Ramsey show is quantity you know there there's two different plays that you can take you know, some of your most successful podcasts out there only produce once every, you know, biweekly or even monthly, but they just have such a long tail to them that they can keep their audience, you know, over that period of time. You know, we're producing for the Dave Ramsey show, we're producing 15 podcasts a week. I mean, I have a, I have a radio show that's producing three hours a day and I automate that and reproduce it in the form of a podcast and push it out in individual, you know, individual units. So we're putting out 15 a week. So there's a couple of different strategies, but velocity seems to play the biggest role in getting noticed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's really doing the work first and then being in, being in a spot to be able to get the at bat with the platform, yeah. basically. Yeah. No question. You know, on the topic still of marketing and, and growing a listenership. Mm-hmm. So platforms, obviously important if you can get that. You mentioned cross-promoting in-network. So, you know, mm-hmm. Chris's show being cross-promoted against Dave's audience and, vi- and vice versa for all the shows in-network. You also mentioned mm-hmm. guesting. 
on other podcasts. How yeah. has that been for you all? Like what, what have you seen from that? You know, it's something that we see work in the industry re- really well, you know, and, and opportunity plays into that. Obviously, you know, a Dave Ramsey can be on a Ben Shapiro podcast. But it's hard to, you know, it's hard for just anybody to jump on something like that. So it's more, you know, again, it goes back to the core of what what are the platforms looking for? It's what are the other podcasts looking for? Everybody's trying to grow an audience. So if you can state your case, if you can say, here's who my audience is, this is how many people I have. These are my loyal fans. This is, you know, this is who subscribes. These are the downloads that we're experiencing. And you're basically, you're always selling yourself, whether it's to another host, another producer, or another platform. To be honest with you, it just depends on what your strategy is. And it depends on what level you have the ability to communicate, compete, and grow. Is there any ways to do that that help you stand out? Because to you know to your point, like lots of folks out there looking to be on shows, hosts are getting a lot of pitches. Are there any ways you've seen or use that you think are most effective in sort of stating your case? You know, to your point and and getting you that opportunity. Yeah, topically in this world, there's no shortage of things to talk about. Mm. You know, so it, it's finding a hot button that that's not polarizing. Mm. It's finding something that, you know, I keep using the term resonates, but something that just resonates, something that goes to the core. It's not superficial. If you can, if you can find something, you know, like, like from where we are, what is our goal? We want to change people's lives. We want to get them out of debt, get them on budget, teach them to live on less than they make. But that's our goal. You know, we really want to change their life. We don't just want to say something. You know, we, we want to do something. And and if you can find something that has depth to it, people start to want to know how did you do that or how did you find people that are interested in that? Because, you know, from an attention span, when you're trying to grow an audience, you know, people will come in and sample and they'll bolt as quick as they'll arrive. You know, so how do I grab them? How do I get mm. them? A lot of people think they have to be entertaining. Well, yes, True depending on the topic. But if you can grab them, and if you think about, you know, some of the most successful podcasts, the serial podcast, you know, it's just compelling. They grab you and they pull you into the storyline. You know, there, there's a lot of different ways to do it. But the question you're asking, there's no, to me, there's no real secret to it. It's just persistence. And you have to, you have to just keep pushing until you get the conversation you know, the host, that's who I would really try to go after first. But a lot of times you'd be surprised at the power that the producer holds. Mm. So you've just got to reach out to them and you've got to state your case. You're always selling what you have. In this case, it's all about audience. People want numbers because at the end of the day, the numbers are what starts to turn into revenue. And that's, you know, it, it requires, you know, you've got to have cash flow to, to, to produce the program. So it's just a cycle. But, you know, the question you're asking is how do you get the attention? Who do you talk to? And there's just so many different ways to go about there. It's just very difficult to answer sometimes. Yeah, totally. And, and you mentioned something that we talk a lot about, too. And, and what you're saying here is like basically two overlapping circles. One is, you know, 
audience. So like if you as the guest outreaching to a show that you'd like to be a guest on, what can you do to help promote that show or that episode to get Mm -hmm. them even more exposure and awareness, like to your point. So it's like a mutually beneficial thing versus just, you you know, you appearing on their show. And then the other thing being, you mentioned polarizing and like, we talk a lot about contrarian points of view. So Mm -hmm. like, that's your point around topic. Like, what Mm -hmm. is a topic that can resonate so deeply? And it's maybe everybody in the industry thinks one way, and I think the opposite, and I can back it up with my experience and expertise and things like that. So yeah, yeah, I I think that makes a ton of sense. Have you tried any paid ads to grow any of the podcasts? You know, we, my marketing team is constantly wanting to sample in that world. We have enough opportunity within our own right, just from the success of the brand, the Ramsey brand as a whole, to where we can put someone on uh, you know, be it be it Fox News or Good Morning America or whatever, you have to be intentional about saying, you know, this is Rachel Cruz, you know, host of the Rachel Cruz show, you know, local, you know, get it to your local, you know, any any of your favorite podcast mm. platforms or, you know, you've you've got to be intentional about positioning that. But yes, we have done we have done uh, paid ads to grow audience. And but at the end of the day, what are you promoting when you do that? You're promoting the content. You can be promoting the individual, but it's all about what is that person talking about? I mean, there's so many people in this space right now, and everybody goes by their name. It's the Rachel Cruz show. It's the Chris Hogan show. It's a Dr. John Deloney show. It's a Dave Ramsey show. So you've got to sell what is it about. So yes, if you can go into paid marketing and talk, I would talk more about what it's about unless your host has that natural mm. celebrity status and then you know then it just kind of speaks for itself right the benefit what is the benefit to the listener outside of the the big name or you know what have you what what is the content there sure have you seen any particular platform for the the paid acquisition be something that performed a little better than others whether that be Facebook Instagram Twitter you know, it, it, one of the things I touched on a minute ago, I was talking about the listener surveys that we do. One of the things that the survey allows us to do is to develop a persona. Who is your listener? And you'd be amazed, even when we break out the Dave Ramsey show, if we're talking about radio, if we're talking about podcast or we're talking about video channel, which is predominantly YouTube, the personas are completely different. They're different individuals. So it depends on what we want to market and what our persona is and where those people are. You know, if we're after a, you know, a female demographic, we'll, we'll tend to go more into Facebook. If we're, you know, if we're looking to grab a younger audience with an Anthony O'Neill or a Rachel Cruz, you know, we'll tend to go over to Instagram. So, mm. you know, they all work, but, but it's not a one size fits all type solution. But I would say Instagram and Facebook is where we spend the majority mm. of the time. We do, we do tons of SEO. We have a team that's done really good on the Google side. So, you know, we rank there naturally with our brand, but I would, I would say the answer to your question is probably more Facebook and Instagram. How do you do those surveys? You know, cause that can be difficult for a lot of <laughs> podcasters, you know, cause like, yeah. you know, analytics and 
information and data on who's listening can be tough to get. So do you, how do you, how do you facilitate that, that data gathering? There's a few different ways. Some of the tri- uh, some of the tricks that we use are not tricks, but to be, you know, again, when you talk about the Ramsey brand, you know, we're in the publishing world, we're in the teaching world, we're in a lot of different places. And how do you get a true listener survey and not just get a fan of the brand? Right. So one of the things that we always do anytime we do a listener survey, the only place we promote it is within the program. Mm. That's the only way the word is getting inside out. Inside the we, audio. We talk, absolutely. Yep. We talk about it specifically inside there, and we don't push it out anywhere else. We won't push it out across an email or put it on the website or do anything like that, because then we'll start to draw in people from the outside who are just fans and want to participate in the survey. You know, we will uh, incentivize in the survey, but I mean, nothing crazy. I mean, register to win a $100 gift certificate or something like that, you know, but our surveys, we, I mean, the last one that we did, we'll get 20,000 people participating in the survey. Wow. Yeah. And I mean, but you, you just have to go into the program and, and you have to say, listen, help us help you. Help us provide the content that you're looking for. And don't be afraid of a negative answer. You know, you you don't want the listener survey to be skewed to give you the results you're looking for. Right. You want the results. But, you know, your question was, how do we do it? And that's pretty much it. I mean, we'll incentivize it to a slight degree. Call me crazy. It's just statistics at work. But that's one of the things that they'll do. The other thing is just make sure you don't try and skew it and you only promote it within the program. So you'll direct them, will it go to like a specific URL or something like that? And that's where they can. Or a text. Yeah. Or a text in, you know, they'll, they'll do two or three different types of methodology, but you can text, you can text into the survey and they'll send you a link, you know, text this code, and then they'll respond back to the text with a link to a URL. That makes sense. And and then there you can kind of build out the persona. So you can ask a sequence of questions that helps you identify like what type of people are listening to the podcast and where they are in their lives. And then maybe helping inform like what content would be most helpful for them to create. Correct. And you don't ask everyone every question. You know, you have it, you have it directed. If they answer, if they answer A, then take them this way. If they answer B, then go this way. That way you can get really deep into what the listener's looking for. That makes sense. Yeah. So let's, let's switch gears a little bit on from marketing to the monetization side of things. So like, I'm really curious, you know, with the products and services that you all have in house and then plus, you know, maybe affiliates or advertising, how you think about driving revenue through the programs, through the podcasts. This is one that's very near and dear to my heart because this has been this has been my career is on the advertising side. You know, one of the things and this is tough. I mean, and this is where my opinion will differ from a lot in the industry. I believe that to be successful, especially in the podcasting world, is you need to be on brand. You need to find uh, products and services that resonate with your listeners. You know, again, it's not one of those one size fits all, but just be unique with that advertiser and and try and find, you know, because you genuinely want the advertiser to get a return because when the advertiser gets a return on their investment, they tend to spend more money with you. And when you raise the rates because your audience is growing, they're happy to pay it. 
versus just seeing how much you can grab and hope they stay. I'm I'm not I don't sell this. Uh, this one may throw you a little bit, but we don't sell on impressions. Mm. Mm. We we flat out find an advertiser that says, hey, this works. And if it doesn't work, you don't have to keep paying for it. Mm. And we've never we've never had anybody leave in the middle of a campaign. It's just always worked. But it's because, number one, the number one rule, I don't over commercialize my content. You got to remember, especially with podcasting. Again, I hit on it earlier, but it's on demand. So the listener wants to listen to the content. It doesn't want to necessarily be marketed to. So the equation that you have to solve is what's the level of tolerance? You know, what will they listen to and not fast forward through? Because if they're going to push through the ad, there was no point in having the ad. But if your ad is on content, if it's something that while somebody's listening to Dave, they happen to go, oh, I could use that. That's relevant to my life. Then they'll listen to it. Even better, that's the power of the endorsement. You know, having having the host read the ad, it, it flows like content. You know, one minute they're listening to the host talk, the next minute they hear them talking about a partner and they're okay with it. And the next minute they're right back into content. It flows like content. So that that's one of the things of our success. But I only have two 30-second ads in each one of my podcasts. Mm. I think I think a lot of the podcasts out there are way over commercialized because it's it's the age old issue of media. It, it's just if I can't sell enough, I have to create more so I can sell more at lower rates. And the math doesn't work. So, you know, if you limit if you limit the inventory, you can create a pent up demand. Mm. Once you have pent up demand, you can increase rates. It just it works. And that's something that's been successful for us. But we go directly to the advertiser. You know, like I said, we have an in-house team and I have a small team of just really good advertising salespeople. And they constantly are going directly to the client. We're trying to establish a relationship with the client because it's such a new medium. You know, what you were seeing in the early days and still to this day in the podcasting world is a gravitation toward direct response because you're dealing, you know, most of the people want to, they deal with a rep firm. The rep firm deals with an agency. The only agencies that were spending money were direct response. You know, now it's evolving into programmatic, which is getting a little bit better. But there's nothing like forming a relationship with an advertiser and just constantly dialing it in. How do I stay on brand? What can I say to this listener that would not make them want to skip my ad? I love everything you just said there, but it goes against the grain of what exactly what you said, like a lot of folks, how they think about that. I think we can dive into a few things here, which is number one, when you go to the advertiser, since you are bringing that awareness to them that this opportunity exists, how do you have that conversation in a way that gets them excited about it? And then number two, how are they tracking the success if it's not based on impressions? Yeah, well, you know, that that is just really good relationship management is is the kind of the answer to the whole thing. Again, you can't be afraid of an advertiser telling you it's not working. At least that's a conversation. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about why it might not be working. Let's talk about how long we've been doing it. Maybe we haven't given it enough time. Maybe we're saying the wrong thing. Let's figure it out. Let's test. Let's measure. Let's find a win here. 
Okay. The, how do you measure it? I mean, uh, you measure it at the cash register. I'm, you know, since, since I've started doing this, I've seen an uptick in business, you know, or what we're talking about specifically on this podcast, what is what seems to really be creating a new audience for my product or service. You know, that's why I need to communicate directly with the advertiser. You know, I spent my career, you know, dealing with agencies and I'm not trying to talk negatively about an agency, but their job is to remain relevant, Mm. you know, and if I can form a relationship directly with an advertiser and allow them to tell me when it's not working and have me listen and respond and not make an excuse and correct and then retest and remeasure, they all of a sudden start to trust us a lot more. And so they're working directly with us. That's been the secret to our success. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay, cool. Last question on this, and then we can kind of wrap things up because I'm curious where you think all this is headed for brands who are interested in podcasting. How do you think about the difference between the the podcast driving revenue through advertising versus some brands who may never put advertising in their shows, but they're looking to build an audience of their ideal customers who could use their products or services. Have you, you know, tested the difference between that amongst any shows in the network or like any thoughts or guidance on, you know, not using advertiser spots, like traditional ad spots, but using a podcast to drive increased revenue via your own products and services? Wow, I got I to think that's a, that's a great, great way to ask the question, especially with a company like ours that has multiple products and multiple, you know, multiple lines of communication. I can tell you this, and I've told this to my top advertiser who's been with us for 20-something years, who was being a squeaky wheel one day with us and, and you know, just really coming at it. And I had to stop him and I said, listen, I said, I don't mean any disrespect here, but here's what I need you to hear from me. My content is built for my listener. It's not built for you, the advertiser. You know, I'm talking to this listener and I'm having a conversation with them and they want to hear what I have to say. Okay. Now, if I can introduce you within that content and it doesn't offend my listener or harm my listening experience, then I've made a really good connection. Okay. So, you know, and that's what we'll, we'll tell advertisers that all day long. And it's like, you need to hear that from me because that's what you really want. You don't want to be disruptive to, to the conversation we're having to the listener. So as long as you're not disruptive, it's not a problem and you can advertise, Mm. you know, what, what I also do is I am a firm believer in building the audience first. I've seen a lot of people, I've mm. talked to a lot of people who are starting starting podcasts, and I've said, look, don't focus on the money right now, okay? Don't focus on the money. You need to build the audience. You know, on a national level, as a rule of thumb, I typically tell people, and even with my own products, until I have consistently an audience of 50,000 people or more, I don't even start trying to monetize it. Mm. I just collapse the brakes and I run with the content. You know, and once you start to build the audience and get the audience to a certain level, then you can start to sample with the advertising. But it doesn't always have to be advertising. To your point, we have done serial podcasts on student loans and the student loan crisis. And, you know, we we didn't have to run any advertising in that. Just the content stood on its own and it created such a lift for our content that people started to gravitate towards us. Yeah, totally. And that's what I'm thinking about is those brands who are looking to use the podcast to build awareness and a relationship with their buyers 
more so than looking to, you know, have advertiser spots on the show. And they could do both eventually, but a lot of it is like a, a brand content play and trust building play versus a direct revenue driver via advertising. So yeah, it's, it's good to hear your thoughts on that. Okay, cool. So as we come to, to a landing here in the, in the show, as you kind of think about all of this in general, like podcasting as a channel for companies to use, how do you think brands should determine if it is a strategy they should use or not? Like whether that be investing in advertising on shows, creating their own show, or guesting like you, we talked about earlier on podcasts. Are there any factors that you think would make it a no-brainer versus like, well, you should do these things first before you consider this channel? Or like, how do you think about that in general if a company is trying to determine that? Well, you know, I don't, I don't know if this is exactly the answer that the, to the question that you're asking, but I go back to what I said earlier about don't try and be good at something you're not good at. You know, you have to figure out where your sweet spot is. And you don't have to jump into the deep end from day one to figure that out. Sometimes you may figure out you can't swim. So, you know, it's one of those things of if you have the opportunity to guest host, the Dave Ramsey show started with him guest hosting on someone else's show. Mm. He just started sitting in taking calls. And here he is today. So there's relevancy to that. Sometimes you just have a product or service that will resonate with this audience, this podcast audience, this higher educated, higher income, you know, just on demand. I want to hear what you have to say audience. So sometimes just advertising in that medium will work. Mm. And then if you just have so much to say and you need a platform to say it on, jump in, give it a try. People are doing it all day long you know, just figure out what you're good at, figure out what resonates. And at the end of the day, figure out what rings the bell for what you want to have done. I love that. I I love that advice, Brian. Well, well, thank you so much for being here today. You guys are all one of the true OGs in podcasting and we really (laughs) respect what, what you all have built and super excited to kind of continue following along the journey for the entire network, you know, seeing what you all build from here on top of what you've already built. So if, if people want to keep up with you, any of the shows, like, are, is there any particular place in general you'd like to point people to? Yeah, it's real simple, easy to remember. Just DaveRamsey.com. We have a, we have a show page on there, has all the information of, of all the personalities and, you know, or, or you can just look me up. I mean, you know, and I'd be happy to help any, you know, we, we believe in paying it forward any way we can, but I, I appreciate you having me on. Uh, it's been a blast talking to you. I hope. Hope it's been helpful. It has. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thanks again so much, Brian, and uh, really recommend everybody go check all the shows out at DaveRamsey.com.